My name is Sharon, and I'd like to welcome you all here. Uh, this is Michelle, just to the side of me, and she just said in my ear, it's like a family reunion, <laughs> which is true. It's wonderful. Um, I was here at lunchtime briefly, and within a space of about five minutes, I ran into people from Italy, Hawaii, and Australia. And it's, it's just wonderful to have this, this kind of coming together. There's really a tremendous amount of energy gathered here today, tonight. In my years of teaching here, I've often particularly enjoyed the moment when I'm walking through the upper walking room just behind me for a sitting when all elements of this community are gathering together. We hear a bell and we come together. People just stream in. It doesn't matter if you've been busy or quiet or waiting for the moment for that bell to ring or dreading it or whatever. We all come together in this common purpose at that time. And this feels the same way in, in a larger sense. We let go of whatever it is we've been doing and we come together. So there's all the physical energy gathered here now that we've brought together through travel. There's all of the psychological energy that has come together here in this room tonight at this moment. There's the energy of faith, which is a necessary thing for people to be willing to give up the comforts of home and family and friendships and activity, to drop it all for a while to come together. There's the energy of interest, really wanting to see reality in ways that are perhaps unconventional or original. There's the energy of discovery, coming together to explore the nature of the body and the mind. There's the energy of questioning, perhaps, what our lives are most fundamentally about. There's the energy, probably, of doubt. You know, what in the world am I doing here? <laughs> this is a shock. This turned out to be real. There's the energy of concern. Do I have everything that I need? Or will it ever stop raining? Or, or whatever. It's all here, within us, amongst us. And we welcome all of that at the same time that we welcome all of you. It's a really extraordinary thing to have the time, to make the time, to create the space, to let go of the familiar, and to come together for this kind of exploration. I was just reading in a book that the scientist Newton said, just a little bit before he died, he said, I don't know what I may seem to the world, but to myself, I seem to have been only like a boy playing on the seashore and diverting myself in now and then finding a smoother pebble or a prettier shell than ordinary, while the great ocean of truth lay all undiscovered before me. I read that actually this morning, and I thought,
thought of this retreat just now beginning, where it is so special to put down those pretty shells and those interesting looking pebbles and to turn around, not only to take a look at that great ocean of truth, but to dive into it, to discover so directly, so, so intimately, in such an uncontrived and simple and natural way, the truth of things. So this is our retreat, and I really welcome you to it. Many of us have done significant periods of our own intensive meditation practice or training in Asia, in countries of Burma, Thailand, or India. And one of the things, one of the themes that will appear many times in the stories that we tell about those experiences is the fact that when we practice in Asia, in countries that are Buddhist countries, like Burma or Thailand, the retreat centers are all free of charge. The, the people of the country, of the cultures, are so devoted to the practice of meditation or spiritual inquiry, and they're so respectful of the people who would be willing to undertake it, that they support you, they just take care of you. And so for every meal, sometimes it's a person, sometimes it's a family, sometimes it's an entire village which will come together to offer you the food that you're going to be eating for that meal. And they're very happy to do it. Many years ago when we left Asia and came back to the West and ultimately began this retreat center, while we would have dearly loved to have had it exist in a way that was free of charge, it didn't seem that the culture was going to support it. And so we have made a commitment throughout all of these years to try to keep the rate that we do charge absolutely as low as possible. And the reason, in fact, one of the main reasons that we have been able to do that has been through the tremendous generosity of the people who work here as staff people. They volunteer their time and create this home. They maintain it, they take care of us, and without them, and particularly without their, their willingness to do this as volunteers, we could not do what we do here. I'd like just to take a few minutes now. Some of the people who will be on staff for this retreat are present, and they might just stand up and introduce themselves. We live together in a community here that's based on making a friend of silence, on letting go of ordinary distractions. It's based particularly on the spirit of friendship, of love and compassion. We practice solitude here, which is a time of great tranquility. It's a time of learning to honor our own experience. 
not to be comparing ourselves to others all of the time. On Sunday night, we'll formally undertake silence for the duration of the retreat. And all of you have done retreats before. Sometimes in contemplating such a lengthy period of being silent, it's funny that people approach that idea with a great deal of trepidation. And almost always at the end of the month or six weeks or three months, people look back and just cherish that aspect of the retreat, perhaps beyond all others. It's like finally taking some time to be quiet, not to be presenting ourselves to others as special, as unique, as deficient, however we normally do, but just to relax. And in that relaxation, to come back to our own experience, to learn to trust our own experience, to validate it, to honor it. So there's a great deal that happens in that, that sense of solitude. It's also a time of tremendous relatedness, even in the silence. We're all a part of a whole, and spiritual practice reflects this understanding. We do not practice just for ourselves, for an experience or some state that we might achieve for ourselves. And in fact, we could not, even if we wanted to. Even if we were determined to practice just for some gain or benefit for ourselves, that's impossible, because we are all interconnected. The Buddha, 2,500 years ago, had an awakening expounded a path. And we're here with some connection to that fact. The fact of his journey is part of what gathers us here together from so many places. Good-hearted people for the last 2,500 years have done this practice. And somehow we're all connected to them as well. It's like coming here it's almost like joining in this stream of people, this stream of those who deeply explore life and the nature of life rather than just live mechanically or on the surface of things. We all here are doing this practice together, and so we are all connected. We need to be kind and caring and patient and respectful toward one another. In daily life, which is how we might refer to that other life, sometimes I slip and I say real life, but I mean daily life, who we are and how we live and the degree of wisdom and compassion we bring forth, it affects our families, it affects our relationships, it affects our work life, it affects the world, in fact, because we are interconnected. We try to live together here in a community that is deeply based on that understanding. Even though we don't formally undertake the precepts until Sunday night, 
they are in effect just in our being here. And these are, first, we undertake the precept not to kill any living being, to use this time actually to, to open to, to develop a sense of reverence for all of life, both in Vipassana practice and in loving-kindness practice, which we will also do, we get a sense of the boundlessness of life, the vastness of existence. And we honor that through taking care not to harm. The first precept, not to kill any living being. We undertake a precept not to steal or not to take that which has not been offered which also means to have a certain spirit of contentment, being at ease with what is offered. Many years ago, we, we did a retreat, we led a retreat for, at that time, for the parents of people who were our friends and peers and who were practicing meditation. It was called the Parents Course. It was very intense. And the, the memory that just came up in my mind right now was seeing these women coming up from New York City and clutching their perches, purses in their laps in the meditation hall as they sat here. Because of course they were coming from a culture where you did not leave things in your room unlocked. And it's wonderful to think about what we are creating here together. It's a feeling of safety, of protection. You can leave anything in your room and leave the door unlocked. And that's the way it should be. So we really commit to a sense of this precept. We undertake a precept to refrain from any sexual activity for the time that we're here. We undertake a precept to refrain from wrong speech, which we will go into in much more detail as well and which will include silence. And then we undertake a precept to refrain from taking any intoxicants that will cloud the mind or create heedlessness, and that means no drugs and no alcohol. This is the, the real basis of our community, and so please really be aware of this, even though we, as I said, won't formally take these precepts until Sunday night. The first couple of days of the retreat, as you have probably noticed from seeing the schedule, will not be a time of intensive, continuous meditation practice. We found through the years that it's good for people to have a little time to arrive, uh, to feel more present, more rested, and to feel more at home in being here. The schedule for tomorrow, the wake-up bell is at 6 o'clock, breakfast is at 6.30. There'll be a work period of regular yogi jobs. You all are yogis, by the way. Um, this is a, a transmission from our time, first in Burma and then in India, where people coming on meditation retreats were called yogis. And one of my ongoing efforts in almost 20 years 
at IMS has been to change that word because people often don't understand it. And I failed completely. <laughs> and so you will see everywhere a reference to yourself as yogis. Um, this is a yogi job, period, uh, at 7.15 tomorrow morning. And then at 8.15 here, we will have a sitting, followed by, at 9 o'clock, some very detailed information about being here uh, from Ken, I believe, which is really essential for you to hear, just so that a lot of your questions can be answered. That's at 9 o'clock. Following that is a time that is called an extended work period. These are periods where you can help us a lot by offering your services. It helps the staff. It helps all of us in truly making this place our home. I just came back about a week ago from Jerusalem, and I feel like I have, if not a, a brand new, then certainly a renewed feeling of what a sacred space is. And just the power of people offering their energy to a place over a period of time. And this is one of the ways that you really can do that for this place in the coming days. Lunch is at 12, and then again at 12.30. It's divided alphabetically. There's a two o'clock sitting in the hall, and then a break, a work period again at three, and then from five o'clock on, we ask that you keep silence. All of the meals will be in silence. And then the following day, the schedule is very similar. At nine o'clock, we will have what is down in the schedule listed as a go-around, which is just a time where you can, if you wish, introduce yourselves briefly to one another. Um, again, the meals will be in silence. And uh, there is a work period, an extended work period in the afternoon. And then at 3.30 in the hall, a friend uh, named Joseph Delagrati is going to come and lead some Feldenkrais sessions which people through the years have found helpful in terms of sitting posture and, and some ease in the body. And you can, you can just check the schedule as we go along. Then on Sunday night, um, we will formally begin the retreat and the schedule for Monday and the following 80 days or something. <laughs> will be posted. So it's really, it is tremendous, and it's a great honor to be able to be here for all of us. I'd like to just introduce the rest of this gang up here. <laughs> this is Stephen Armstrong, sitting to my left, uh, Michelle McDonald-Smith, Joseph Goldstein, and Carol Wilson. And I, I know I speak for all of us in saying that we feel quite privileged to be able to, to be here and to uh, be leading this retreat. Okay, I'd like, um, if you want, to just stretch for a few minutes and then perhaps we can do some sitting together. <clears throat> 